Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. We mail our travelers a physical envelope that we say keep sealed until the day of your trip. So this, this envelope has everything you need for your vacation. We have all of your travel details, your, your flight information, uh, your hotel information. Have you ever considered just not ever telling them where they're going? You tell them to go to the airport, blindfold themselves, they get on the plane, they take the blindfold off when they disembark, and it's like you still don't even tell them. They're, they've got to figure it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of No Blackout Dates. My name's Tim. And I'm Evan. We got a good one for you today with Lillian Rafton, the founder and CEO of Pack Up and Go, a travel company that sends travelers somewhere where they don't know where they're going. It's a surprise. It's fun. Uh, it's super exciting, and we're going to get into that with her in just a few minutes. But first, we've got our hot takes segment. Evan, I'm going to start off today because you start off every week, it seems, with this. My question for you, what makes an ideal travel partner? His name has to be Tim Winger, obviously. Is that the answer you're looking for? Hey, I like that. Um, an ideal travel partner. I'll take it. I think someone who is open-minded to, I mean, everyone when they're going into a trip has an idea of what they want to do and what their idea of fun is. But that's even someone you get along with really well. It's never going to align perfectly. So I think having an open mind, being amenable to someone else's goals, what they think is fun, what they want to do, even if you've made a prior plan, being open-minded to changing that plan, being able to take things in stride and go with the flow and not be too rigid. I think that's right. I, I agree with, with most of what you said there, and I think that sums it up pretty good. The one thing I'll add is that I think a lot of what you said as far as being flexible, etc., is more important than somebody being close friends, as well as people who just kind of move through their day and travel in the same way. Like, for example, you and I travel pretty well together, we've found, although we don't share a ton of hobbies, uh, but we, we tend to get along well enough when we're traveling. And I, I've, I've had close friends that I've known for years and years that I don't really like traveling with, even though, you know, we might go snowboarding all the time together. That's, that's a good point, because I'll meet people on press trips that I'll, I'll be, like, inseparable with, and we'll do everything together, and we'll have a great time, and they're more fun to travel with than friends that i've had for decades and it just has nothing to do with how close you are with someone or how good of a friend you are in everyday life being a good travel companion is just a totally different thing it's even something of an x factor i don't even think you can define what it is just someone who kind of you have a, a certain frequency that you travel on and it's hard to find other people that travel on that same frequency but when you do it's it's awesome and that's a totally different frequency than friendship requires in everyday life. So it's just about finding someone who hits that same frequency. Um, all right. My question for you is, do you ever brush your teeth on airplanes? I have done it once. Uh, and it was on a, it was on a, a long haul flight to uh, Macau, actually, where I was meeting immediately up with a press trip uh group right when I got off the plane so I didn't I wanted to be like presentable so I went into the lab the the lavatory you know while I was on the flight and cleaned up a little bit but generally no I don't do that yeah I've never done this before until 
someone brought it up on one of our editorial calls about writing an article opinion piece about why you should or shouldn't brush your teeth on an airplane. And then I went on this trip to, I think it was Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'll brush my teeth on this. It was always a hassle to me. I got to get my uh, toothbrush bag out of my backpack in the overhead. I got to bring it into the thing. There's not a lot of room, but I did this. This is, you know, it's a long flight. It was like, you know, 10 plus hours, 12 hours. And you feel so refreshed and clean after you do that. It's such a small thing. And there's no one to impress on the plane. I had no one to meet right when I got off the plane. But you really just feel so good after you do it. It like it just gives you this feeling of being like almost like you just showered. And I've, st- I've started doing it in airport lounges. Like I, I think that, that same trip I had a layover, did it in the airport lounge. I'll now do it even right before I get on the flight, even if it's only like a three or four hour flight, I'll brush my teeth in the airport just to, just to feel fresh, you know, even if it's like not that long of a flight. Well, my dental hygienist mother definitely approves of Evan's toothbrushing habits. Definitely don't floss though. I haven't taken it that far. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Imagine though, if you, that's what you do, you floss, you bring fluoride, you have like a whole like headgear thing. Yeah. You do everything. You bring your own like personal hygienist. Maybe there's a business idea. Yeah, it's a business idea. That's not if you're in like the first class, one of those like miniature apartment lounges in the first class, where for the people that spend ungodly amounts of money to go on a plane, that that's when you can get away with that stuff. They give you a toothbrush in the first class amenity kit. There is a toothbrush. Right. So right. I've I've had that happen before. Yeah, that's kind of like giving someone deodorant for their birthday, though. Okay. Well, we've settled the uh, the toothbrushing issue. We'll get into it with Lilium. We'll see you on the other side. We were so inspired by last week's hot takes segment where I asked Evan if he'd ever consider taking a trip somewhere without knowing the destination that this week we're speaking with someone who had that exact same idea and actually brought it to fruition. Lillian Robson is the co-founder, well, the founder and CEO of Pack Up and Go, a trip logistics platform that plans your travel for you, all while keeping the destination a surprise. Lillian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, we're going to jump right in here talking about the surprise of it all. Your company plans surprise destination trips, uh, either as solo trips or for groups. Let's talk a little bit first about how this came to life. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Pack Up and Go is a travel brand that specializes in surprise vacations. So we plan curated trips around the U.S., but the catch is that our travelers don't discover their destination until the day they depart. Um, It came about about six and a half years ago. Um, I had never worked in the travel industry. I was 23 years old and I never started a business, had uh, no experience as an entrepreneur, Um, but I had just quit my job in New York and was backpacking solo around Eastern Europe and was in Riga, Latvia when I first heard about the concept of surprise travel. And it had already taken root in Europe and overseas. And I... I started to piece all of these ideas together. You know, I realized that I have been really fortunate to travel my whole life. I love traveling. I studied abroad for a full year and, you know, my family really prioritized it. Um, But I never traveled around the U.S. And it never occurred to me to travel around the U.S. You know, I I lived in New York but had never been to Boston or Baltimore um, or all of these cities. And and I just started thinking, you know, why, why is that? Like, why as Americans do we not see nearby cities 
as a vacation destination. Um, and so I emailed my parents and I said, I'm going to move home and, and figure out how to start a surprise travel agency. And, uh, and the rest is history. On that note, let's talk about the how far away are you sending people and how is it that they are able to prepare themselves to go somewhere not knowing where they're going? Yeah, that's probably the most common question that we get. Um, all of our trips are within the United States. So that was a decision I made early on because I felt like, you know, I'm introducing this new concept to American travelers. It's a big risk that you're taking. And I figured that having the parameter of the U.S. would help. You know, people know how they can use their phone and they have the currency. And if there's an emergency, they know what numbers to call. So uh, that was my first decision. And so all of our trips, again, are within the country. Our travel time is usually between two hours and six hours from your home. Uh, we offer trips where you can drive to your destination or fly to your destination. So most of them are within that two to six hour range. Um, but to help you prepare for your trip, a week before you depart, we email you with the weather forecast, packing tips based on where you're going um, and where to go and when for your departure. So if your flight leaves at 10 a.m., we'll say, you know, get to the airport, this terminal at 8 a.m. Uh, to, to help you prepare. We want it to be a controlled surprise. <laughs> and then what? So they meet you at the airport and you give them the ticket or how does how I do wish, they find out? I wish Is this like a that. big, there's like a balloon <laughs> popping out of a box in the lobby? I, you know what? I, I love the idea of being able to surprise people in person. However, I am perpetually running late, so it would definitely cause cause chaos. No, we mail our travelers a physical envelope that we say keep sealed until the day of your trip. And so, um, so this this uh, envelope has everything you need for your vacation. We have all of your travel details, your your flight information, uh, your hotel information. It's full of curated recommendations for things to do in your destination since you don't have time to do the research yourself. And so the morning of our trip, our travelers show up at the airport or they get in their car for their road trip, open their envelope to see where they're going, and they have everything they need for their vacation. There's absolutely no way I'd be able to keep that envelope closed for like how, how long? A few weeks, a few months? I don't know how, how far in advance people plan these things. Oh, no. It's just a few days. You, you oh, okay. Like in that case, still still doubtful. It's like, it's like when you're in college and your roommate has leftover food in the fridge and you're trying so hard not to eat it, but you just uh, like every day, well, every hour, I guess, in the case of food. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. We know that I, I think 60% of our travelers wait until the day of departure to open it. So 40% peak. Oh, okay. they do? Oh, my God. So they're signing up for the surprise thing, then they ruin the surprise. They self-sabotage the surprise. Well, it's still a surprise, even if you open it a few days ago. Uh, I guess that's I true. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've had, I mean, we've had travelers say, you know, can you mail the envelope to my friend or mail it to my office because my coworker is going to hang on to it because I have no self-control. Mm -hmm. So people will also say, you know, I, <laughs> if this is in my home, it's definitely going to get opened immediately. So you, there are some options there. And what's the benefit, do you think, of the surprise destination compared to knowing everything in advance? Like, what is, if you were to sell someone on this concept, like, why should I not know my destination as opposed to know it in advance? It's fun. Boom. There you go. <laughs> it's exciting. You know, I mean, I guess a question for you is when were the last times that either of you were genuinely surprised about something? Right. I feel like it's been a long time. Yeah. So I, I took one of our trips earlier this year. Um, I took one in January and, and it was amazing. You know, I, I felt like because I started the company, I, you know, I've owned it for six years. I planned how many hundreds of trips. I thought that I would be able to figure out where we were going, but I really couldn't. And I, I was thinking about it all the time. Like I was 
walking my dog thinking, you know, maybe it's San Francisco or maybe it's Savannah. Like I, I was constantly thinking about it. And what I realized is I, I didn't even have the chance to get stressed out about anything because I had no idea where I was going. So normally before I go on a trip, I, you know, I think of this list of things that I want to do and I get myself really worked up about how I'm going to fit it all in. Or, you know, I know that I want to check out these 10 restaurants, but I'm only going to be there for three days. And I'll, I'll like work myself into a tizzy. And, and on this trip, I, it was like, it was just easy and exciting. That's all there, that's yeah. all there was to it. I tell myself I'm going to be spontaneous and just kind of like go with the flow and figure out where to go once I get there, where to eat, what to mm-hmm. see, whatever. But it's like when you have a few weeks to go and you're looking forward to it and you're excited and you can't help yourself but to over plan, you know, it's a way of coping with the, the like eager anticipation. Exactly. And, and on the flight there, you know, we had like a three hour flight and we went to Charleston, by the way, which was great. And so we had a three hour flight and we were, it was perfect because we, we got all of our recommendations from Pack Up and Go. So they booked a couple dinner reservations for us and then put all of these recommendations based on our interests together. So we had exactly the amount of time on our flight to go through them and organize and say, okay, let's definitely do this. Let's prioritize doing this. So it sort of, you know, what, what you just described, Evan, as taking, you know, weeks to plan ahead. We just condensed it into a few hours and made decisions, but then we had options, you know, and it was like, if we didn't get to it, the stakes were low because we didn't even know about it two days earlier. I Have you ever had anybody that's been like, no, no, like maybe you, you, you know, you've got someone from Boston that's a Red Sox fan and on the itinerary is a Yankees game. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Have you ever gotten pushed back to anything that you've tried to send people to? So here's the thing we have a really self-selecting traveler. You know, the people who are signing up for a, vac- a surprise vacation acknowledge that they're signing up for a surprise vacation. Okay, so I enough. feel really, really grateful in that way. I, I love our travelers. They are so easygoing, so go with the flow. And, um, and sometimes they do say, you know, I am typically type A. I'm typically the person who plans our trips. So this is out of my comfort zone. But even acknowledging that is so helpful. And so we always tell people, we have a pre-trip survey and we want you to use it. This is where you share all the information about your travel history, your travel preferences, what you like, what you don't like. If there's anywhere that you really do not want to go, tell us because we have people planning our trips. You know, it's not just an algorithm that's spitting out a vacation for you um, and we want you to like your trip. So, so all of that information is really, really helpful for us. And some people are very specific about what they, what they like and don't like. And other people leave their pre-trip survey basically blank, and we are, you know, planning it as best we can. Um, But it's, no, we have amazing travelers. So there have been times where, you know, a destination hasn't been a perfect fit, but but we've planned over 15,000 trips in our our six years in business. And, um, and I can probably name those, those trips, you know, it's, it's, it's been a really fun adventure. So this seems to me like, it's an excellent idea for birthdays, bachelorette parties, reunions. Do you guys have a typical type of traveler that you see the most often or that is generally the most stoked about what you're doing? Yeah, that's a really great question. So our travelers love celebrating on their surprise trips. And and to your point, reunions are also great for us because, I mean, I used to live in New York. I have friends who live all around the country. Coordinating a vacation is so frustrating sometimes and trying to yeah, find... Yeah, especially with there. a bunch of people in different places. Oh, yeah. So we take care of that for our travelers. So we do plan a lot of reunion trips, a lot of girls' trips. Um, but I would say 
birthdays and anniversaries are are sort of our bread and butter. We okay. our travelers are oftentimes in their um, in their 30s, sort of the whole range, late 20s to, to late 30s. Most live in or near big cities um, and are, are working professionals who just want a little adventure, or maybe they're they love to travel but don't necessarily have time to plan, um, and are are just looking for for a new type of getaway. Right. Do you find you know, with whether it's an anniversary or whether it's something completely different that when people are filling out the survey, they say a lot of the same things. Are people looking for the same thing? I imagine you get a lot of like blind insight into what people want. And I would really love to know what people want. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So so to your point, we, you know, at this point, we've planned over 15,000 trips. Um, and it turns out a lot of people do like similar things. Um, you know, we will start to see patterns emerge of different types of travelers. So, for example, we have we have a list of over 30 hobbies and interests that travelers can choose from from a, a, a checklist. Um, so, you know, that includes things like art museums, um, you know, architecture, uh, quirky attractions, fine dining, things like that. One of our top selected, I think the top selected hobby and interest are hole in the wall restaurants. And okay. it's funny because it's it's the most selected thing, but it's also really hard to define. And so, you know, we take that on our end to mean sort of off the beaten path places or, you know, really local spots that maybe don't get a lot of media coverage. Like they're not, you know, listed as the top five places to visit in a destination, but we know that that's what our travelers are looking for. They are looking for a local experience. So we want you to feel like an old friend is showing you around somewhere new. Like we are that that cool friend who knows the, the uh, you know, off the beaten path place to go for, you know, dinner or drinks. Um, so that's a big one. Um, a lot of our travelers, especially during the pandemic, we started to see a big uptick in people who liked outdoors focused activities. So like hiking, parks and gardens, you know, things that are a little more outdoors, um, craft beer, huge interest for our travelers, history. Um, so a lot of our travelers are, are looking for more for destinations that have a lot of things to do. You know, we're not typically planning sit on the beach vacations. We're not planning amusement park vacations. We're not sending our travelers to all inclusives. So we really want our travelers to engage in the place that they're going. So so we tend to see travelers who have those types of interests where they want to be out and about. Demographic wise, what kind of people are, you, are we talking about? Is it older people, younger people, people, friend groups, people with families? Yeah, it really runs the gamut. So I would say most of our travelers are in their 30s. Our most common average our most common traveler age is 30. Um, our average traveler age is a little bit older, but um, a lot of people who live in or near big cities, working professionals, a lot of um, couples, a lot of girls trips, a lot of friends, but we do plan family trips also. So I think our oldest traveler is 90 years old. Um, and we have planned trips for babies as young as two months old. So really everything in between. But we do see a lot of um, a lot of parents of young children who say, we need a vacation. We don't have time to plan it, but we need we need we need a getaway. Uh, we see empty nesters who say, you know, we haven't taken a trip with just the two of us in in a long time. This would be a really nice way to reconnect. So, um, you know, a lot of millennials, but but everyone else in between. Have you ever considered just not ever telling them where they're going, even when they're there? Like you tell them to go to the airport, they blindfold themselves, they get on the plane, they have no idea where they're going. They take the blindfold off when they disembark 
and it's like you still don't even tell them they're they've got to figure it out <laughs> okay the funniest thing about this question is that this is actually a request that we've gotten from a traveler before and and they there said i don't want to know where i am until i am in my hotel room and it's a really fun idea in theory but we would need to get the airline on board to not make any announcements about where they're traveling we'd need to get you know at the gate they can't say anything you know i think it would be logistically very complicated uh so until until pack up and go has private jets uh we're gonna have okay. to <laughs> nah, that's the next step right that's the next step is the private jets or like yeah. the private train Hopefully. cars i think i think once you're on the plane it's on you to to shield yourself from information it's you got blindfold you got noise canceling headphones you're just that guy with like your head basically in a bubble don't want to know any information can't hear anything can't see anything you get off boom so it's it's all it's that's self-motivated yeah we would definitely need a, we need an escort at that point so let's let's do an exercise so you're gonna plan a trip for eben eben doesn't know where he's going eben lives outside of boston he's into history uh he's into whiskey where would you send him now, now that you know everything about me. <laughs> now that you know everything about yeah, him. That, that's it. He's in his 30s. He has um, a professional okay, Evan, job. So, Low 30s. Okay, so Evan, what is, uh, what is your favorite trip that you've ever taken, like domestic, international? Uh, it's cold weather places, like northern Norway. Okay, okay. What about them did you like? Uh, I, I guess I just like the extreme environment of it and like the fact that they're so, you don't see other tourists there and it's very just kind of, remote and I don't know. I like that kind of like dog sledding, snowmobiling, that kind of th stuff is up my alley. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. This is, that was a tricky one. Um, so we do, during the pandemic, we launched outdoors trips and I feel like you would be a great fit for our outdoor experiences <laughs> um, because our other trips are, are typically going to, to cities. So Okay, if you're from the Boston area and you want to do an outdoors trip, my first thought, because this would be a road trip, so you're driving, so we want to keep I like it, road you know, trips. Three, three to six hours from your hometown. Okay. Um, I can imagine a really cool trip up towards like Acadia National Park, something like that. And then if you wanted to get a good drink, you could go into Bar Harbor um, or something you know, in that area, or you could go to the Vermont area and grab a drink in Burlington, amazing food and bev scene. So that could be a good option. I like it. Um, All right, cool. let's do it. Send me, Tim, send me the envelope, let's go. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> Evan, what type of things would, would, uh, would you say about Tim when he likes to travel? <laughs> uh, Tim likes snowboarding. He likes okay. uh, craft beer. He likes okay. that kind of hat that he's wearing. Loves those hats. Um, what else does Tim like? Uh, live music and being okay. a good dad. Oh, that's a <laughs> Tim, anything you want to add there? Um, the only thing I would add is that don't say Colorado because that's where I am. Oh, okay. I was going to say, wow, it seems like Denver could be a really great fit for you. <laughs> I was born and raised there, so. Okay, perfect. So you're departing from from the Denver area. Yep. Okay, so if you wanted um, to do something that was active, but um, also had great craft beer, um, you know, my first thoughts are 
like a, a Portland or Seattle or somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, or, you know, I know you mentioned you like snowboarding, but if you're looking for live music and craft beer, I'm picturing in, in Austin or um, uh, actually Nashville has an underrated craft beer scene. So that right. I could see Tim. I could see Tim in Austin. Yeah, I like Austin. Yeah. I've, I've been there once. I've never been to Nashville, though, but I suspect I, c- I could kill a weekend in Nashville and have a good yeah, time. Yeah, w- actually, Nashville and New Orleans, obviously amazing live music scenes, but they have really good craft beer uh, scenes also. So got lots of cool. options for you. All right. Well, it's time to start planning some trips, I think. <laughs> Look at that. Free trip planning advice. Austin, <laughs> Acadia. Let's, let's say that Evan and I wanted to do a trip together. How does it work when you have people coming from multiple places? How, how, what are the logistics behind that? Yeah, so on your pre-trip survey, uh, where you tell us your travel dates, your budget, your hobbies and interests. So you guys would need to align your hobbies and interests. You need to figure out what what of your your interests overlap and, and tell us those. I'm not sure that they See, do. We only get along on a Zoom screen. That's that's all. <laughs> all right. Well, we can we can do our best. Um, but when you enter your passenger information, you tell us which airports you're departing from. So we ask for time restrictions um, and and your home airports. So we would see that one of you is flying out of Boston, one of you is flying out of Denver, and our our trip booking specialists would would review that and find flights that land in your destination around the same time. So we do our best to to line them up. Um, so we'll find a, a destination that both of you can get to easily and try to try to coordinate the times. We're going to take a short break from the interview for a word from our partners at Matador Network. Are you a travel writer, filmmaker, or an influencer who loves to travel the world for free? Check out creators.matadornetwork.com and explore one of our many press trips. Sign up for free. That's creators.matadornetwork.com. Happy travels. And now back to the interview. Is there anywhere that is like, what's the strangest place by your estimation that you've ever sent somebody? So like a most off the beaten path, some place that someone might be the most surprised to find themselves in. That's a really great question. I think what's been really surprising to me. So when people are, are flying to their destinations, you know, obviously we have to go to a place that has an airport. Uh, you know, that is a, a big consideration when you're flying. But for our road trips and our outdoors trips in particular, they really open up options to to really off the beaten path places that that you really can only get to by car. So, um, you know, for example, Galena, Illinois is this little town um, that has a ton to offer. And it's one of those places that growing up I've never heard of, Uh, you know, it wasn't on my radar whatsoever, but our travelers love it. And they have a great distillery right downtown. They have goat yoga, they have hiking, they have, it's right on the river. So there's amazing kayaking. Um, So there's a lot of really fun places like that or Bentonville, Arkansas, um, is home to... I've heard of that place. I've heard it's good. It's amazing. It has Crystal Bridges, this gorgeous art museum. It's like known for mountain biking. So, you know, I, I just think it's so fun that that we give cities like Batonville or Galena the chance to surprise and delight. You know, I, growing up in the States, have never heard of them. Would You know, it wasn't on my radar whatsoever, but, um, but they have a lot to offer. Can you explain goat yoga? Have you ever done goat yoga? Do you know what goat yoga is? Because we were talking about this a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's a big thing right now. Yeah, so it's, it's yoga classes where there are also 
little goats and and they walk around and um so they're just presence they're just present while you're doing yoga they're not doing yoga with you they're not like sitting on you while you're doing yoga. you see the photos where the goat is on the person's back well i was gonna say i think they're very social and they do sort of climb on top of you and and hang out seems unsafe (laughs) because last week we last week we were discussing horse yoga and to me like goat yoga seems tame compared to horse yoga what happens in horse yoga that horses aren't climbing on your back? I don't know. I don't know. No, I feel like a horse just kick you in the face and that's yeah. it for yoga. Like, I don't, I don't know. Interesting. Well, I'll have to look into that. But I'm sure there's a waiver involved somewhere. Yeah, I would imagine there has to be. <laughs> uh, how about so solo travel? Have you taken one of your solo trips? And what is the response? I, I could see that being, for some people, very freeing and for others, very anxiety-inducing to take a solo trip where you don't know where you're going to be. Here's what I'll say. I have not taken a pack a bingo solo trip. I would love to. I have not taken one by myself. Um, but most of my travel outside of pack a bingo is solo. I prefer to travel solo. And um, we have one traveler who who I love dearly. She's taken several trips with us, and and she puts it best. She says, um, "I love traveling solo. Like myself, I'm the best person for me to travel with." You know, I never have to to argue about what restaurant to go to. I know exactly what I love to do. I, you know, if I want to take a nap, I'll take a nap. If I want to wake up early, I'll wake up early. So I, I and it, it, I think that mindset encapsulates so well what I love about traveling solo. I think it's so freeing. And and I think our travelers do too. And, and the fact that we have 24-7 in-house traveler support means that like, yes, you are on your trip by yourself, but but we're there for you. You know, if you have a question, if you're unsure about anything, if you need help, if your flight's canceled, you can call or text or email us and and we'll be there to help. So you're by yourself, but you're not alone, if that makes sense. So if I take a solo trip with you guys and I'm like at dinner by myself, which I hate being because I just have no one to talk to and I get bored and self-conscious, I can like pick up my phone, call you guys and just like chat just have someone to talk to while i sit and eat by myself if that's what you need evan you can do that okay love it that's yeah. good that makes me feel <laughs> more comfortable about the solo thing we do also we have a, um we have a, a pack up and go podcast as well called envelope to Expor- exploration and oh, okay. um, we have a great episode all about solo travel so we have an episode all about solo travel so if you if you need some inspiration that's great we talk about solo travel a lot and grapple with the uh especially eating alone especially that part <laughs> I, I personally love it, but I love it too. My challenge for myself is always to put my phone away, like to not look at my phone and just sort of like sit in it and, and like relax and being alone and, and not feel like I need my phone as a crutch. And usually what I do, my trick is to always, if there is a bar, um, just to have dinner at the bar. And that way, you know, you oftentimes will talk to the bartender or other people sitting at the bar. And a lot of times that's where I get the best travel recommendations because they're locals. Um, so that's my trick. So my strategy of reserving a table for seven, just sitting there by myself, is probably not a good play. <laughs> Listen, if you want to social distance and that's the way you do it. Just to like it. project an air of importance. But maybe the bar is a better idea. I don't know. You might get better deals at the bar too. I think that's the that's the hack in a lot of expensive places. Speaking of eating alone in restaurants, this is kind of up your alley. So deviating a little bit. But so I've had this restaurant idea that I've pitched to Tim. And I'll keep it short, but this is, it's, a, it's almost like the restaurant version of uh, Pack Up and Go. So it's basically a restaurant where it doesn't matter what you order, other people decide for you in the restaurant what you 
eat. So I get there. It's, it's to help you with indecisiveness, just like indecisiveness while traveling. You sit down at the restaurant. You sit down at your table. Whatever, if I order the salmon, someone else in the restaurant gets the salmon, not me. And whatever someone else ordered in the restaurant, I then get that plate. So I have no say over what I'm eating. It's just someone else's preference gets sent to me. What do you think about do you think that's viable? You think that you can apply the same travel business model to restaurants? You know, I think you might have an uphill battle with that one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you don't say. I do have that. Like as somebody who who doesn't eat seafood, I can, I can right. see being nervous about that. But what I do think works really well and that I've loved is um, is when there's not a fixed menu at a restaurant. And so you just say to the, the server or the bartender, you know, these are the flavors that I like. These are my dietary restrictions. Um, and they ask you a couple questions and then chef's choice. Oh, things, I, like that. So I know in Philly, there used to be a restaurant called Garza's Trading Company. They went out of business a few years ago. One of the best meals I've ever had. And I had no idea what I was ordering. Loved that. Um, and I know there are bars that will do that too, where they don't have a fixed menu, but you can just say, you know, what spirits you typically like, anything you that's don't a, like. That's a good idea. I love it. I'm all about, like, I feel like I always have decision-making fatigue. No, me too. Yeah. The Cheesecake Factory, the menu is a novel. It's like, I no, need, yeah, awesome. yeah. It's like, I don't like that. So I'm, but okay. So instead of having other people in the restaurant, pick what you eat, have the, someone who's actually qualified that works in the restaurant, maybe picks, makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all these years of pitching this idea. No one's ever told me that it kind of already exists in a much better form, but okay. Yeah. That's a good business model that you guys have. And I feel like it can be applied to other, other in areas of life that indecisiveness comes into play. Totally. I think decision-making fatigue is so real. You know, I, especially when it comes to travel or, or drinking and eating because we're constantly making choices and you're always stressed about making the right choice. And then, you know, I, I always, sort of have the fear of, of not ordering the right thing on a menu or not booking the right hotel or, you know, is this, am I, if I do this tour, am I missing out on this other thing? And so, yeah, I think the element of surprise is really great for alleviating that. Especially with restaurants, because if you're trying to decide between two dishes, I feel like you're automatically choosing the wrong one, no matter which one you choose, because you're always going to be thinking about what that other dish might have been. And if you're traveling solo, you can't get both and split them. Right. Oh yeah, right. it's hard. But if you don't make the choice, if someone else makes it for you, even if you don't like the experience or the food, it's because it's not you choosing it, I think it the, it softens the blow a little bit. It all, but then it also comes into like, you know, you can only make so many decisions in a day, right? Like I remember reading an interview with Obama where he was talking about his wardrobe and he's like, I have 15 of the same shirt because that's one less decision I have to make every day. You know, I can only make yeah. so many decisions in one day. And that's like, yeah, that's true. Totally. Well, Lillian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you and where can they learn more about Pack Up and Go? Yeah, our website is packupgo.com. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, packupgo underscore travel. Facebook, we're packupgo. Uh, we, are, we are super social, so please reach out, say hi. We're happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Lillian. Here we are in news of the day. Thanks again to Lillian for coming on. Our first article today is the big update from Airbnb. They had just announced the biggest update in a decade that could drastically change the way you book a stay. Uh, if you want to know more about this, you can tune into our interview from last week with Catherine Powell, head of hosting. 
But we got an article here written by our very own Tim Winger that kind of goes into detail about what Airbnb's changes actually are. And the main change is that instead of browsing by location, you can now browse by categories. What exactly does this mean? So the way Airbnb has restructured their search is you can do the traditional search if you want and put in your dates and your location, but you can also just go for inspiration and say you want to go camping, you can search their best campsites, the ones with the best photos, the most crazy locations. If you want to go surfing, you can find their best surf spots. Uh, and you can build your trip around that rather than being like, I'm absolutely going to Los Angeles. I need a place in Los Angeles. So this is on the same theme as Lillian's pack up and go. Basically, if you don't care about your location, if you don't care about your uh, your ultimate destination, it's more about the experience, it's more about the house, it's more about the uniqueness of your stay, then forget the location, just search by experience, search by category, and you know, start from there. It's not a surprise, like pack up and go, but this might be a new trend going forward. It's uh, putting aside location, putting aside knowing and planning everything about your destination and really focusing on the experience more than anything else. Right, right. It's It kind of flips everything on its head rather than like trying to find the best place to stay in X, you're finding the best X based on your place to stay. It also goes to our hot takes about a few weeks ago. We we're talking about would you travel somewhere just for your hobby, just to pursue a hobby that if you didn't know where you were going, and obviously you do know where you're going here with Airbnb, but it puts the hobby first, puts the interest first, and the location second. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I have enough any hobbies that I'm passionate enough about to do that. I just I think it harks to like the new era of travel where it's everything is so based on like making sure you're getting the it thing and you're you're really getting a wow experience more so than maybe the function. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it calls to that a lot. Well, I know one hobby that you're passionate about, and that's airport hacks. And that leads into our second article for the day, I believe. Right. I, I suppose I'm relatively passionate about airport hacks. But uh, the new article is Clear is offering a steep discount for couples and friends just in time for summer travel. For those not familiar, Clear is a service that allows travelers to skip lines uh, to use biometric data to verify themselves rather than the traditional identification that you present to TSA. You can uh, make your way through security quite a bit faster with Clear. I would say take advantage of it unless you already have global entry. There's no real need to get Clear. Well, so this new deal specifies that it's for couples and you and a friend. So with this new package you can purchase on the website, you and a partner or friend can get Clear for two for just two thirty nine per person. What if I don't have any friends or I'm not in a couple? Then you're stuck with the regular security line. That seems kind of discriminatory, Tim. Like, what if I'm just like a solo loser, no friends, no girlfriend, no nothing, just want to travel to get away from my loneliness, and there it is, clear, staring me in the face, reminding me once again that I have no friends or relationship. Well, then again, you should just get global entry because it costs about the same amount of money and it's a lot more functional. Global entry doesn't discriminate. All right, fuck you, clear. Screw clear, get global entry. Well, Evan, I think that you need to go look in the mirror and do a little bit of self-reflecting. Are you saying I need to get some friends? Or that, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to No Blackout Dates. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. 
And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm Flow underscore on Instagram, and he's TimWinger1. Also, a big shout out and thanks to our producer, Alex Halke, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru, Kelsey Wilking, the Matador social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week.